Dracula has risen from the grave as the fourth film in the Hammer Dracula series, and once again sees Christopher Lee portray the Count. He has died twice already, but that's nothing that a dodgy exorcism and a spot of lightning can't cure. Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight, I am Peter and joining me as always is Tim. What are you going for? Radio. Is that not good radio? <laughs> Tim decided to mimic the character that was mute in the film. Uh, for, for anyone who's uh, unaware. Uh, yes. You can't keep it going the whole time though, Tim. Doesn't really it doesn't work. <laughs> this is a horror movie podcast. We get together, we watch a horror movie, we talk about it. It's that simple. And we're finally returning to a franchise that we started a long time ago. In fact, the last time we did an entry in this franchise was when we were banking episodes for your first child. <laughs> oh, serendipitous. Yes. Um, hopefully we get to the... Because it's the fourth entry, hopefully we get to the fifth one before the third child's on the way. Um, <laughs> do, we, do you know how many are are in this supposed series? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, do you know how many children I've got planned? <laughs> <laughs> and that I would be impressed. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if you know how many you've got planned, if you've got a number in mind. Uh, it's... Mm, uh, more... <laughs> More than I want, but less than I desire. <laughs> Wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. What and desire mean the same thing, Tim? What? Oh, God. Anyway, uh, yes. So this is the fourth of the Hammer Dracula movies. It's called Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. And to answer Tim's question, I think he was asking there before I decided to... Interrupted. Well, I hit back with some... Cutting edge wit is what I did. Uh, <laughs> sure. But you were asking how many of these there were. Um, so, according to Wikipedia, uh, this is number four, and then there's another. Uh, so, what? There's nine total? Uh, although the mm. last one seems a bit kind of. Well, I mean, we'll do it, but it seems a little bit slightly disconnected compared to the rest. But. Uh, the Kung Fu one? <laughs> not the Kung Fu one, though, but there's. Okay. There's eight, and then sort of the ninth one, which is the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. But you know, we've done Dracula. Oh, that is a kung fu one, yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get that. I'm the, pretty sure. I didn't get that from the title, but I'll take your word for it, Timmy. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. we did. Obviously, the original was Dracula, aka Horror of Dracula, depending on where you're getting it. And then Braids of Dracula was the second one. Dracula, Prince of Darkness was the third. And here today we have Dracula has risen from the grave. Uh, we've got spoiler alert. I mean, how else do you have the movie, Tim, if, if, if it doesn't rise <laughs> in some fashion? Um, I, can't, I can't wait, because the way that he comes back in this one was starting to make me think of like how in Friday the 13th they had to keep thinking of wacky ways to bring Jason back, <laughs> and I'm excited yeah. to see how wacky it gets as we go into these later later entries. But uh, oh, yeah. we got... Um, so this is a 1968 movie, uh, which is 10 years after the original film, so that just gives you some perspective. Uh, there's actually two that come out in 1970, which would be five and six, and then it does something wacky and like jumps to present day for the <laughs> at, le at least the seventh one. I don't know if the eighth one's still present day or if it goes back to being in the past or whatever. But okay, uh, yeah. So that that's the, the the map, the roadmap ahead. But we are here today with entry number do four. Have, do we have a uh, my boy Chris Lee? Is he uh, is he in all of these or? He's in most of them. He's not in Golden Vampires, but uh, he's in all the ones before that. The only one that he's not in is uh, Braids of Dracula, which we already did. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Peter Cushing, who played Van Helsing, he was in the first three. He's not in this or the next two, but he comes back for uh, the rest, including Golden oh, Vampires. Nice. So, yeah. uh, so, so they share two movies together again and then it's back to just Peter Cushing much like the second film so it's a really convoluted <laughs> like you know it, it's not quite yeah. the Fast and the Furious franchise with actors coming and going <laughs> and like the alignments of things but uh, there's a little bit of a complex mix of things uh, you assume it's just based on like 
who was willing to come back for particular <laughs> films. They were demanding X amount of pay, so they got cast for certain ones. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of curious how these, you know, uh, were received back in the day. Um, yeah, because, like, I, I know they're, you know, Hammer is like a, kind of like a, you know, a big, you know, beloved horror thing now. Um, but I'm curious if, like, yeah, the, the people flock to the theaters to see these. Were they kind of seen as being like a little scandalous or like lurid? <laughs> like, um, because it, it does get like pretty bloody, like in this movie. You know, it's you know tamed by today's standards. But I was trying to think of like, oh, like back in the day, like seeing all this blood was this like, ooh, like scandalous or I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe for its time period, certainly. I mean. If you think about this being the sixties, or even though the early dra- uh, the early Hammer stuff being like the, the the late fifties, and you compare it to what maybe like the US was making, maybe it did feel a little scandalous and sort of risque. I imagine it was relatively niche in the US though, just because yeah. you know they're British movies and they're I don't know, you know, not quite the mainstream. But uh, what's what's funny though is that I when I scrolled down on this uh, Wikipedia page for the the franchise is um there's a like a, a table with like the the Rotten Tomatoes scores mm. in there for each film. It was surprised me, and there's not a ton of reviews because they're older movies, so it's you know it's not like a new movie comes out and there's literally like 150 reviews. But like Braids of Dracula and Prince mm. of Darkness both reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes quite well, mm-hmm. um, which surprised me because we were relatively down on those, especially Prince of Darkness, which I think we really did not enjoy. Was um, that the last one? That was the last one we did, yeah. Okay. Uh, what's wild is that, you know, it's been a couple of years, so I don't remember the movie all that well. But what's funny is that the only thing I remember about it is the same thing I remembered when we went to watch it, because I'd seen it before, mm-hmm. and that's, like, how it ends. Like, I, I couldn't tell you anything else about Prince of Darkness right now, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, it's completely gone from my mind. Um, but uh, with all that said, we'll get into mm-hmm. Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, and hopefully... Uh, a little bit better than the uh, the last two sequels because we, we we enjoyed the original a lot. The original's quite good. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's quite spooky. It's got good atmosphere. It's definitely the best directed of the bunch so far. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave. Uh, it, we'll start spoiler free, of course, as we always do. But Dracula Risen from the Grave starts with uh, it's basically set about a year after the last movie. Um, where the the local town, the village that's near Dracula's castle, are still kind of scared of the evil that kind of emanates from it, even though they all know Dracula's in theory dead from the the previous film. And this uh, like sort of head priesthood comes in, uh, the Monsignor. He comes in and is appalled that everyone's still too scared to go to church because the shadow of the castle like <laughs> touches the church. So he wants to go up and basically exercise the evil of Dracula's castle. Uh, but in doing so, in dragging the, the local priest who's a little scared of cat along with them, uh, they end up resurrecting Dracula, and Dracula wants revenge for, well, basically the exorcism on the castle and the big, <laughs> the big gold cross that's been placed onto his door. Uh, so he comes hunting uh, the Monsignor, and we get introduced to his niece, who's kind of her, you know, the attractive young woman that Dracula's going to be like trying to get to, and her boyfriend, maybe fiance. I don't know if they ever quite uh, agreed on a term, but he's kind of her main character, who uh, is you know he works at this local sort of bar slash bakery <laughs> it's kind of a weird <laughs> i guess it's like a it's like a tavern bed and breakfast that happens to also have a bakery in it and he's mainly a baker mm. but uh he's also a college student he works there to put himself through college and uh that, that's kind of a setup um it's mm. pretty pretty typical dracula's coming for the young woman the boyfriend and like the sort of the older figure who's not van helsing but he's kind of the substitute for van helsing uh, the one thing yours, so that's the gist of it. Tim, yeah, how did you feel about Dracula has risen from the grave? <laughs> um, I, I was, uh, I was pretty positive on it. I, I, I'd say I liked it. It's, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it has a lot of the issues that I find, you know, with, you know, uh, some of these like older movies or Hammer movies where like. Yeah, the the middle can get a little slow and boring sometimes, and yeah, like the main character is kind of bland. Um, but 
um what i you know dug about it was uh like a lot of the set pieces um a lot of the you know kind of horror uh segments of it um those really worked for me um like there's a like you know uh, some stuff in the beginning where you're finding like some dead bodies and anytime there's like blood like you know the the blood looks great like you know it's a you know really you know bright and vibrant uh I mean, very, and... very fake looking, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. <coughs> um, and I kind of just like, you know, um, like visiting this world a bit. Like, I like seeing the, you know, like the sets and the sound stages and like the, um, um, you know, like all, like all the old timey costumes. Because, you know, it's just like kind of a, you know, a thing in horror that you don't really see much, uh, as much nowadays, you know, and, um, like even if you do get something that's more uh like period pc like you know it, it'll I, I feel like a lot of times it'll still look like too clean or crisp like i, I don't know i like that this does you know uh feel old which <coughs> uh you know obviously it is because like whatever you know 50 something years old or whatever um but yeah no i i i, I dug it like you know <laughs> there's some like kind of goofy funny stuff in it but um there's enough like cool horror -y stuff that worked for me and like some lore that uh i liked um and there's also there's a lot of stuff that kind of reminded me uh, that felt a little bit uh castlevania e uh to me which oh, uh, i like direct way to your heart yeah <laughs> like uh, i i really like and honestly like i i know they want to get into dracula and everything but i really like the idea that they set up in the beginning that this town is like you know so afraid of even though dracula is dead like you know his castle still just you know ruminates evil and like anything its shadows touched is like you know uh cursed and uh, i like that idea of like you know even in death you know this evil is plaguing this town and um so that that feels very castlevania -y to me and uh i wish you know it was something that uh would have been explored a, a little bit more but hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean I I was pleasantly surprised. Like, you know, it's not my new favorite movie or anything, but um yeah, I I, I actually didn't have a bad time with it. So I liked it more than the last two at the very least. Like we said before, like I could barely tell you <laughs> anything from my memory about the last two, but um yeah, I just kind of going off like I remember yeah, our, I, I remember the tone of our conversation. I couldn't tell you what happened in the movie, but I remember how we right, felt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I yeah, uh, same thing. Like, yeah, I remember not being as positive on it. <clears throat> and then, I don't know, maybe it helps, too, that I haven't, like, watched a movie like this in a while. Sometimes it, mm -hmm. it you know, feels nice to go back to you and be like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> I forgot movies were made like this. So. Yeah, it's a pleasant enough watch. It's kind of easy to, to throw on. It's probably your sort of mm -hmm. Sunday afternoon horror movie. You know, what That's might a good have, way to put it, yeah. What may have been quite lewd at the time when it came out, now it's the, the you know, the... The, you know, the, the fluffy horror movie you put on in the afternoon that's not going to like shiver any timbers kind of thing um yeah. i mean that's not to say that i think it's necessarily that great either like i think there's you know mm -hmm. there's definitely some cheapness to it you know you feel uh, the big metal cross uh at certain points looks quite flimsy and it's kind of flopping around uh some of the sets feel quite cheap you know things yeah. like that I do like the idea of a big metal cross, though. Like, <laughs> again, that, I feel like that's something I've seen, like, in a lot of, like, horror <laughs> anime or something where, like, you know, a character has this, like, larger-than-life weapon or something that's very, like, impractical. But, yeah, it, it did look cheap sometimes, though. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, things like crappy day for night, which is just part of the time period, but goddamn, yeah, yeah, why yeah. did they think this ever was acceptable? I don't understand. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a holdover from black-and-white movies where you probably get away with it a lot more uh without the color but it's certainly I, I there's very few examples i can think of of day for night not looking like ass but yeah um and obviously it's nice to see christopher lee i wouldn't say he gets a whole lot of new things to do and you know it's, yeah. it's you know he doesn't have the same presence he's in the first film but that's out of the direction more than his performance per se although mm -hmm. i do have to assume on some level that once you get to like the fourth fifth sixth of these movies that it is a paycheck. It's not necessarily like a passionate project that he's, uh, sure. you know, d doing so that he can stretch his thespian legs, as it were. But he probably had some like time off from like hunting Nazis or whatever. <laughs> Wasn't that something he did? <laughs> like this late in his life? <laughs> well, I mean, not at this time. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you know, earlier in his life, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I um I I think what I would say about it because I would say I also think this is better than the the last movie and. It's not, like, amazing or anything, but I, I think it does at least a decent enough job of setting up its characters mm-hmm. um, and giving you a kind of a character arc for the, uh, so the, the sort of the scared, oh, sure. the, the priest. So, not the monster, the monster in Europe, I'll just refer to it as the monster in Europe, but the sort of the local priest in the town that's all scared of Dracula. Uh, he's, like, one of the main characters, and he's, like, he's really scared. He doesn't even hold mass in his church. He's got a bit of a character arc, uh, which I, I think is pretty decent. Um, yeah. You know, the romance between, like, you know, uh, Maria and Paul, who are the, you know, the young couple. Like, that's just whatever. It's, it's just kind of here or there. Uh, it exists to be what it is. I will say, I did like Rupert Davies, who plays the, the Monsignor. I kind of liked him as an actor. Like, he had oh, this yeah. kind of, uh, like, authority to him. Where Don't get me wrong, he's kind of a fool in the way that he dismisses that they're all scared of this evil still. Uh, mm. But, like, he, he carries this sense of authority that when he reacts to things, it kind of... I don't know. Like, I enjoyed watching his performance. He's a fun character. Yeah. And there's some interesting, like, design to the, like, the, so the main, there's a town near Dracula's castle, but most of the movie takes place where the Monsignor lives, which is another town somewhere. And it's got an interesting thing where all of the roofs are basically touching. So there's, like, multiple scenes where, like, characters will actually travel from, like, one building to the other <laughs> by just walking across the rooftops, which is, mm-hmm. like, an interesting design. I don't know if that's like maybe inspired by somewhere specific where it's kind of a real thing where you can do that or if it's just like a quirky movie thing because it looks good and theatrical that they're walking across the yeah. rooftops. I mean, I don't know. But there's a there's a little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, it's alright. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some things that, you know, are, are a little underwhelming as uh, moments go just because you know, we'll, we'll do the... You know, oh, I did laugh at one, because at one point there's a stake, you know, obviously a stake mm-hmm. Dracula, and it is the most comically large stake I have ever seen <laughs> in a movie. It is... It's like a post for a fence. Uh, it's been used as a stake. Uh, that gave me a chuckle. Um, I don't think, yeah, probably better to use, though, like, if... You, know, <laughs> you don't want to risk, like, missing your target. Like, the bigger the... The stake, you know, the less, you know. Do you know, that is a problem with these old <laughs> vampire movies, is that they, they like, did, did people not understand where the heart was when they were making these movies? <laughs> it always feels like it's like in their upper stomach when they get stabbed with the stakes in these movies. I don't know, I don't know what's, what's going on with that. I mean, when you become a vampire, your heart moves. <laughs> oh, does it? Does it? Does it? Yeah. It gets heavy <laughs> and most, uh, goes down a little bit. Yeah, the most unnecessary thing ever. <laughs> yeah so uh, it's it's kind of this weird thing where I, I can't really praise it too highly but it's very watchable but it is very much the yeah. fourth movie in a franchise and it's not going to like wow you or anything but if you want to like go through them for completion's sake i would say you, I, I got more of a like a a reasonable story out of this one than the last one i think uh oh sure and i don't think it was that hot in braids either so uh I guess by default, this gets to be the second best of the uh, of the franchise so far, but still a significant step down from that first one. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's. I, I I think it's like fun enough that yeah, not a necessary watch, but um, again, like you said, if you just want to throw something on Sunday afternoon or something that you haven't seen before, and you know, if you need to, you know, get up and uh, you know, wash your dog for a few minutes or something like. You know, in the middle, like, you don't have to worry too much about, you know, <laughs> what happens. Like, yeah, yeah. That kind of movie. Yeah, that kind of, the kind of movie you can miss five minutes and not feel like you've missed anything. Mm-hmm. Which is not the biggest bit of praise you can give something, but... <laughs> uh, it, I think part of that as well, because it follows similar beats to a lot of classic Dracula stories, which, which you know, he's... You know, he bites someone, they're kind of under his control, and he uses mm-hmm. them to try and get to who he really wants... You know, it's, it's, got, mean, it's got the familiar beats. When you break it down, it is really just, yeah, like that, that first kind of Dracula story or movie or, or whatever, like kind of just, yeah, replayed. But yeah, yeah. but with uh, it, it's always fun seeing, seeing Lee again and everything. Though. So I guess we'll give the spoiler warning so we can just talk about everything that's in the movie uh, and, you know, get into it. Uh, the movie actually opens with a scene that takes place maybe during the last movie or like slightly before but like you know because it 
when it jumps ahead afterwards a year, it's like a year after the last movie. Mm. So uh, I think the, the idea is that this opening scene just takes place when Dracula was still alive, sometime mm. soon before his death, whenever that mm. fits into the last movie. Uh, but it's uh, the town near Dracula's castle, and this uh, young man comes in and like finds like a dead woman who falls out of the bell. You know, he, he goes to pull the rope, and there's like blood dripping out. And then when he goes up, when the priest comes in and goes up to check, you know, why this guy's freaking out, uh, the body like it, it's very much like uh, in Halloween uh, when all the bodies are <laughs> popping up towards the end. There's the one that sort of falls out of the attic door. Yeah, uh, it's very much like that. The way it dangles down. Um, yeah, I really love the way this opening is staged. Uh, I, uh, like, it, I really quickly, like, got my attention, like, you know, the way he's, you know, pulling out the bell and it's just, like, it's just soaked in blood. I'm like, okay, where are we going with this? And then, yeah, just to see, like, uh, this bloody body just drop out of the bell out of nowhere, just like, oh, I thought this was, like, a, a really cool, neat idea. It's probably the most violent-looking thing in the movie, and maybe the most yeah. violent-looking thing we've seen in the franchise. I do wonder, because this is 10 years after the original, I do. I wonder if things had gotten a little bit more eased up, you know, censorship-wise, over the last decade. Yeah, it was the 60s, man. It's all, all about free love and, <laughs> and whatnot. I mean, there's a lot of references to boobs in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the barmaid characters... Uh, Got the cleavage on show. Everyone's mentioning it, referring to it. She's very promiscuous. You know, she's, uh, you know, got more boyfriends than anyone can count. I think it's one of the lines of dialogue. And she's <laughs> she's trying to steal the main man, Paul, away from Maria uh, whenever she gets a chance. It's not a bad love triangle. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd say that necessarily. But uh, you, you have had to watch most of the Twilight movies by this point, so maybe you're... Your, your barometer's uh, messed up. The gauge is broken. Um, no, I um, I think the the intro's a, a solid introduction to the movie, and in, in that it kind of it sets up the the violence of what Dracula does, which is something that I think these movies maybe have lacked in a way because they are so campy and they're so you know theatrical, and you know, even in this movie. Uh, which is a little bit more v- visceral looking than the previous films, but you know, a little bit more explicit in what it's doing. Um, it may have the worst makeup for the bite marks <laughs> of the whole franchise. <laughs> uh, like there's just these like lumps with red dots on them that are on their necks. It's just yeah, it looks a little bit rough. But that reminds me, did you see the? Um, I think on the Wikipedia page. Uh, they had like the, a poster for the movie. I don't know if you saw. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's well, one of the posters anyway. But it's it's like the woman like with her, you know, she's been bit in the neck. But there's like modern uh, plasters or band aids, as yeah. you would call them, over the, they're like, wounds. Yeah, they're they're like hot pink, which just like <laughs> makes it. Uh, it, it just seems like so weird and like out of place. Like, um, I I don't know. I I might not like necessarily be that surprised seems not like that like a modern day um like movie poster but uh, it feels like especially cheeky for something from this time period yeah she's got the sort of the low cut uh gown or whatever it is on um mm-hmm. I, honestly like the, i think what sticks out to me about that more because it's like a black and white photo of of a woman and you got the cleavage and then you've got the the the, the, the plasters are bright pink so they stick out is that what what I don't get about it is that it's um well the you know plasters and band aids like they're they're more modern invention I assume like I right yeah in this time period you you would be like you know putting like cotton wool over them and like wrapping a bandage around your neck or something stupid like that <laughs> like that, that's why it's like weird to me yeah, that, yeah. it stands out that like yeah again like it's not like something I feel like they would have thought to do like back then i don't know yeah this is the u.s poster apparently and mm-hmm. on top of the risky kind of pose and then the, the weird out of place modern like uh you know uh, bandages yeah. or uh, plasters mm-hmm. is underneath the title dracula has risen from the grave in parenthesis it says obviously <laughs> like when they try to sell this is like a weird witty meta yeah dracula's it's, you know came out of the grave i mean yeah. obviously right he's dracula he always it's, comes back <laughs> uh it, it's strange that it yeah it seems like it's trying to have a little fun with it uh which you know it, it, it's not something i would think that like 
the movie like the, the I guess the tone of that poster kind of doesn't really match the tone of the movie eh? it seemed like to me no I mean the closest would probably be the barmaid character who's sure yeah it talks about risky things like and I do mean a little bit and by a little bit I just mean that she clearly wants to have sex with men but that, that's really all I mean risque for the time period yeah uh so yeah it is what it is but anyway so we so also we, thought like the like again i mean it's hard to say because i wasn't <laughs> around that time period but uh the idea though of like the main character like not you know really having like you know like losing his faith or you know like not really believing in god or, or whatever like that seemed like kind of a modern thing to me like well, what are you talking about? You talking about Paul being an atheist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I don't know. I, if mean, I, I guess like maybe the, like you know there were atheists back then, but I mean, you just kind of imagine like everyone's very churchy back then. Well, you mean in the time period of the movie, not the sixties. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's for, for you know the time it's set in. Yes, that's that's a bit of a more modern thing that someone's openly an atheist and. We get a, a priest reaction to to hearing that, which you know, this is a time where that's heresy, and you know you'd be possibly burned at the stake for being a witch if you even suggested such yeah. a <laughs> such a thing. Uh, maybe my time period's off a little bit, but I mean it's this is, this is Dracula time, right? There's just no right. no rhyme or reason. No, I mean that that is a little bit modern, uh, but it, it's also not like. Like I say, it's, it's not modern for the time it was made. It's just modern for the time it's set in, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's still, I mean, there's probably, about, you know, a big, still like a pretty big church population uh, around then, but definitely like people are starting to kind of move past that. Like, probably wouldn't have been like unheard of. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's not like that new or novel of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so after this opening, it cuts ahead a year. Uh, the Monsignor is is shocked to find that no one's in church on Sunday, and <laughs> that includes the priest. And the priest is getting drunk at the in the in the pub, and he's like, "What's going on? And why is no one at church?" And he is shocked to learn it's because the shadow of Dracula's castle <laughs> touches the church, um, at whatever point during the day, and they believe the evil still emanates from it, regardless of the fact that Dracula is dead. And it's very Voldemort-esque, and they won't say his name, right? They never mm-hmm. actually say his name out loud, and this again annoys the Monsieur because he's like, "But he's dead. What harm can he do you now?" <laughs> uh, so he says, "Look, I'm going to go up there and do an exorcism. I'm going to dispel the evil from the place. Uh, local priest, you're coming with me, right?" And he's not really happy about it. He's very hesitant, but he's like, oh, "Yes, I will come with you." Uh, what a buzzkill! I mean, <laughs> like you know. Not, not that you know. I, I'm sure that they believe, you know, that uh, that it's cursed and Dracula's evil is still there and everything. But at the same time, it's like, uh great! Like we were just like partying for like so long, and now like you know you want us all go back to work and stuff. Like, ugh. you say partying? I don't know if I got the the. It felt more like drinking out of depression and fear to me in that tavern. Not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know what kind of parties you you go to, but. Sounds pretty par for the course for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean the local priest doesn't really like make it all the way up though. He kind of like gets scared and tired like halfway because they're climbing this because they, they mentioned they're going to start going up at like five a.m. and <laughs> they're actually it, it gets to a point where they say they're losing light, which you would never know because you know day for night and all that. But <laughs> they say they're losing light, and I'm like, wait, how long does it take to get up to Dracula's castle if you and you're on because like, you're on foot. And you're like going up all these like rocky faces and stuff like that. I'm like, you, you, you've been doing this for at least like twelve hours. If it's getting dark already, like what, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> but regardless, how far does a shadow reach? I mean, if the if the shadow can reach the church, you would think it's, you know, not too too far. I mean, I guess it's up in a mountain top, so you know, you get an angle. That's what you explain it. But so the way Dracula gets resurrected is the so the Monsignor goes up to the castle. Let, let's let's be blunt here. He does not rise from his grave. I, I wouldn't say. Well, he's not that's in a grave. Necessarily, what he's doing. He's not in a grave. The last movie established he was frozen in water. Yeah. We know he's not in a grave. I mean, I actually do have a, a dispute with this because. 
I'm pretty sure when he's frozen in water at the end of the last movie, it's like right in front of his castle. It's like in the courtyard oh, of yeah. his castle. In yeah, this yeah. movie, it's like in a lake, like halfway down the mountain. Because it's because it's neither the other priest. Because the so the other priest, the local priest, doesn't go all the way up the mountain. He gets tired and scared halfway, and the monsignor says to him. Like, you stay here, I'll come back, and we'll go down together, but I'm going to go up to the castle. So so the monster goes up to the castle, he gets this big gold cross, he puts it on the door, and says he's, you know, voodoo incantations, <laughs> if you want to call it. And while he's doing this, though, it causes lightning to strike. Well, I don't know if it causes, but I read it as him doing this and, like, trying to get rid of the evils, but causing a reaction yeah. in the clouds were striking lightning down. And it's like a security system for the castle. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like an alarm system for Dracula. He's, <laughs> he got it installed. Uh, and while this is happening, it makes the, the priest who's waiting fall and hit his head. And he, he hits his head on a rock. He starts bleeding. It's like pretty goofy. <laughs> oh, it's very goofy. But the blood starts like, you know, going down the ice and it goes into the water where the ice is now like, cracked because yeah, of the lightning. Yeah, everything's all cracked and then... <laughs> And the blood goes into the ice and it, you know, hits Dracula's mouth and this is what resuscitates Dracula. The ice is cracked. The ice is cracked and some blood goes into his mouth. So this brings Dracula back. <laughs> so he has risen from his... Uh, it's more of a Captain America, like, block of ice. Yeah. <laughs> that is a grave. I, I thought... But- it, it, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't remember if it's exactly the same, but uh, my first thought was Encino Man. I've not seen that, so I can't tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I did not get your reference. Yeah, surprised I uh, missed you. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you, Tony. Yeah. But uh, hey, I've got a question for you, because um, I, I do not remember, but I'm, I have to assume that this this franchise has not had the uh, the rule where vampires don't have reflections. Because the priest here looks down at the water, and I thought Dracula was still in the water, because he sort of sees Dracula in the water, and I thought, oh, I think he might still be in the water. But then the camera, you know, tilts up, and no, it's his reflection, because he's standing there, like, pointing at him. And I'm like, wait a minute. Reflection? (laughs) That's a very good point. So all I can assume is yeah. I'm assuming this is not an inconsistency. It's just that this franchise never did the reflection rule, which is fair enough yeah. if that's you know if that's what they've done. But um, if I mean if I was gonna try to give like a no prize answer, um, maybe you could say that like mirror <laughs> mirror reflections and like water reflections are different. That's a bit of a stretch, Tim. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of what other possible explanations there could be. Hey, man, yeah, this is, that's the best you've got, I suppose. But yeah, this is this is <laughs> undeniably a reflection of Dracula in the war to set up the the movie's plot, and he presumably takes some more blood from the priest. But the, this priest basically becomes okay. his, basically becomes his Renfield, right? That, that, that's, that's effectively what what he becomes. He becomes his servant. Uh, and he wants revenge because he goes up to his castle. He sees this big gold cross on the door. He's like, "The sons of bitches! Who did this? Who did this?" And the priest knows who did it because he, he helped him up. So uh, he wants revenge on the Monsignor. That's that sets up our our, our key goal for Dracula for the movie. <laughs> now I'm curious, like if you know the ice just cracked, or even you know even if it didn't crack, like presumably, like you would think it would thaw at some point unless you know it didn't seem like we're somewhere like you know a, a super cold area where it's just constantly frozen but um if if he was unfrozen but like didn't get any blood <laughs> accidentally in his mouth uh like would he revive or would he just kind of slosh around <laughs> in the water for a while it's an excellent question Maybe he'd be very weak. Maybe you could say the curse of Dracula is that there's always going to be someone drawn towards him to eventually give him the opportunity to get blood. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I know, like, they had, like, uh, you know, they say that, like, you know, he can't... was like, he can't cross running water or something like that. Oh, that was um, one of the rules, yeah. 
but does that mean like in general he's like weak against water like if he gets thrown to the ocean like i don't know what does that do to him i thought huh <laughs> i don't know like if he's already in the waters he's not crossing running water yeah uh <laughs> and if it's frozen is it technically still counting as running water I... uh, that's a great question <laughs> uh, I, I don't know i don't know yeah that's definitely why the weaknesses they brought up i think that's why those weird rules that i'd never heard before that, that i've only known for, really from this franchise is the running water thing because yeah. it made me do a double take when they brought it up the first time <laughs> Yeah. Um. So they go to the town where the Monsignor lives, and the Monsignor actually kind of gets back home quite easily. I I thought he was going to have like trouble getting home because he gets down back to like, the tavern. And he's like, "Was the other priest not back? Oh, that's very weird." Uh. <laughs> uh and they say that he has oh, come my back. <laughs> actually, that's that's just actually an interesting point. Is that they they lie and say that they seen him that he did come back, but he's not back yet because he's still with Dracula. We see him in the next scene with Dracula up at his castle weird <laughs> i don't have to add but they're just you know pointing out that the line so they go back to the town where the months they haven't been in a church for a while so they forgot like what it is to be good it's all like dirty little liars now <laughs> <laughs> what shop because they haven't been going to church so they've lost their ways <laughs> i think this movie clearly shows and i would agree with this that someone does not have to go to church to be a good moral person are you talking about dracula well i'm talking about paul paul's clearly the hero oh. of the movie <laughs> okay uh so so we're back at the time when the one senior lives and this is where his niece lives because he lives in the same house with her like uh also his sister because his brother died i guess so his uh sister-in-law and niece live with him and you know it's like a recipe for a sitcom He's, he's happy to be home. There is a, there's even a little joke where he says, you treat me like a wife, and she sort of like laughs it off, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, he's, uh, his eyes are wandering. He's, 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 he's having a crisis of faith. Uh, but uh, we find out that uh, his niece is excited to have him meet her new boyfriend, Paul, uh, who, who we mentioned was at the bakery. And there's some hijinks and when we get to meet him for the first time, where... Because he works downstairs at this, uh, you know, tavern place where the bakery is, he comes up and all the students who are drinking force him to play a drinking game when he's on his way out to go and meet uh, Maria. And because they're doing this game where they have, like, a glass of beer on top of, like, a broomstick, he ends up getting, like, completely drenched in beer. And Maria's mad at him for about three seconds and then completely forgets about it. Yeah, I, I kept thinking <laughs> of... Um... Yeah, Maria kept reminding me of uh, this character in Castlevania Symphony of the Night named Maria. <laughs> because her name is Maria? Both have the same name, uh, both blonde. Oh, okay. There's so much in common. <laughs> Maria, to come to see her. It doesn't go too well, though, because the ones that you're isn't that impressed with him to begin with because he smells a beer and whatnot. Uh, but then he dares admit that he's an atheist because he, he says he doesn't go to church and the, the priest is like, or the Monsignor should say, he's like, what, what? You don't go to church? What was the meaning of this? You're not a Protestant, are you? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm an atheist. What? You deny the existence of God? So it's a big hole falling now. Uh, he says he should leave. <laughs> And, you know, uh, it's, you know, that, that's it. It's all for it. But Maria's still in love with him, though, so Maria goes to sneak out to see him later. Uh, and we get a little bit of love triangle hijinks uh, <laughs> along the way. Although it didn't actually do as much with it as I thought it was going to. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a bigger thing. Yeah, because when he's leaving before uh, Maria's there uh, to go to her place, uh, we're introduced to the barmaid character, uh, Zena. It's a really <laughs> weird name, actually. We think, we think of the rest of it. Uh, she, like I guess, said, is a bit promiscuous, and she's like saying, "Oh, you're going out with that Maria again, not with me." So it plays that she's a little bit jealous that she, she, she maybe wants Paul, and Paul comes back after he's had this like row with the 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 Monsignor, and he gets drunk. He gets drunk, and he can barely walk. And Zena helps him up to his his room, and he even does kind of say, "Oh, do you want to you know come to bed with me or something like that." And 
she does kind of try to kiss him, but he just kind of passes out. But while this is happening, it keeps cutting to Maria, who's like, you know, sneaking across the rooftops on her way. So it's setting up that she's going to walk in and see them together, and we're going to get drama from it. And I was kind of dreading it because I was like, ah, oh, do we really have to do that? She's mad at him because she thinks he was cheating on her kind of thing. Right. Instead, she comes in after the kiss has already kind of happened and he's just kind of passed out. And she immediately just goes, wait, what are you doing to my boyfriend? <laughs> uh, and Zena's like, oh, I passed out. I'm just putting him to bed. And she goes to like, unzip his uh, trousers and Maria like slaps her hand away. He's like, no, get away from there. <laughs> That's my D. You you shuffle along that, <laughs> and then I think she I think she spends the night with them. I don't know if they actually got up to it. I think she maybe just you know goes to sleep with no, them. I don't but, know. Yeah, but she's having sex around this time. <laughs> <laughs> but he he's like you know he's, he's he gets kind of mushy when he's like drunk, but not not much comes of the love triangle. It's, instead, what they do is is that Zena on her way home is run down by the priest who's arriving with Dracula, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Dracula bites her and but they do that thing where she's still kind of normal but she's kind of under his spell during the day so she's like covering her neck she's got like a choker on it to cover the bite marks mm-hmm. and she's been tasked with like doing certain things for him uh, and then but it, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing all this up now is because when Dracula like sees Maria and he learns from the priest that, that Paul's with Maria and Maria is the, the niece of the monster girl that he wants revenge on he asks Zena to bring her Maria, bring him Maria, and immediately Zena's like, "What? You've got me though. What do you need her for?" <laughs> like, it sets up that she's already kind of got like a, a natural kind of jealousy of her, so it kind of came into play better. Or, or it was it was effective when it came up again when it was more like Dracula's bidding and she was working for him, because uh, they'd already set it up, so it felt natural to me. And I don't I don't know if you saw this on the the Wikipedia page, but did you see what the original title? for this was i did not was it there's something about maria <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's terrible tim that's terrible honestly the middle of the movie does kind of blurt together a little bit because it's there's not like a whole lot of yeah. plot yeah no, not a ton happens <laughs> <laughs> would you care to hasten a guess at something that does happen to me no <laughs> I just wait till we get to the the big cross. That's right to the end of the movie. Tim. <laughs> I don't know. That's where the movie picks up again. <laughs> the... <laughs> oh dear. Um, I mean, to to, to cut, cut ahead a little bit because there's not, yeah, there's not a whole lot that happens other than just uh, Maria thinking that you know she'll be in trouble for spending time with Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, she does have a scare where she encounters Dracula briefly because uh, Xena tries to lure her down there. Uh, Dracula kills Xena uh, and the priest has to dispose of the body so he throws her into the, the bakery oven. <laughs> and keep in mind the time period so it's not like a, you know, it's, it's like, a, like a fire oven, like a stone fire oven. Mm. Uh, so he disposes of the body in there and the, the priest, you know, the Renfield priest character is starting to obviously have some, you know, guilt. He's starting to have some doubt. He's clearly struggling with what he's been tasked to do which is important ultimately because uh later on he does resist um which sort of gives him his arc um because uh the monsignor ultimately dies uh he you know seeing that maria's been bitten at one point and that she's sick and she's lying in bed um he's reading up on dracula and he catches dracula in the act coming into her bedroom uh, to to have another bite, and this is a recurring thing in a lot of these old Dracula movies, is that he'll keep coming back to the same victim. Like you know, he'll bite them once, and they'll be weak for a while, and they'll come back again and bite them some more. I forget if it's like the first time uh, he appears in like Maria's room or the second time, but just to give a little shout out, uh, it, that was just like a scene that I thought was like really well done, where like you see her kind of like slowly waking up, and then like she kind of sits up and she's like very startled, and then like yeah, it switches like to her kind of point of view or like kind of from behind her and you just see like you know christopher lee as dracula just kind of you know like standing above her. i forget if he's in the window or like floating above her or whatever but he just looks like very like big and tall and uh it's just like a very good horror image i just thought that looked really cool yeah and he you know he comes back to creep on her the the, the next night as well and this is oh, when he'd be, the, he'd the, be creeping yeah he'd be creeping <laughs> and the monster you're like catches him 
and the, because he's wearing a cross, Dracula. You know, and, you know, if, if I'm going to criticize Christopher Lee's performance, is that he is a bit too theatrical when he's like repelled by. He's like eh, a cross. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like over the top with it. But that he, reminds me of church. <laughs> he jumps out the window to get away, and Monsignor chases after and ends up getting bonked in the head. The priest is waiting for him in one of the rooftops. Uh, and hits the monsignor in the head with uh, like a, a, a concrete or something, like it's something, something heavy looking, and he dies ultimately from his injuries. But he, he lives long enough to get back to the house, and he asks them to go get Paul, and Paul comes and he tells Paul all about Dracula uh, just before he dies, and so Paul knows what he needs to do. He knows he needs to save Maria, uh, and because the monsignor is dead and Dracula is taking Maria with him. Uh, he's like, okay, my revenge is done. Time to go home. So the back, like, sort of portion of the movie is that Paul actually travels to the, the, the village, you know, underneath Dracula's castle and demands help. He wants help to, like, to get up to the castle to try and save Maria. And no one's willing to show him the way, and he ends up having to fight them off. But the one person who is kind of willing to show him is the mute guy, because the the guy at the start of the movie who's found the body was so scared by it that he became a mute. And that's something that's set up early on. But he's got a little bit of courage that none of the other townsfolk do. He's willing to actually show him the way up. Um, and the the main arc, I would say, of the movie is that the Renfield priest actually is able to snap out of being controlled. You know, he actually is able to, like, get, get out of it. He refuses to kill uh, Maria. And what, one of the things that came up before this scene is that there, there was a scene where um, Paul found Dracula's coffin, because he's, he's in like a, I don't know, like a basement or something, like a dungeon uh, somewhere under the under the town uh, earlier on in the film. Um, j- just before he, like, leaves, basically. Um, and he this is where you get the big giant stake that's comically big. But he stabs Dracula in the heart with the stake, and... I don't remember this exactly from the previous movies. I assume it was brought up, but it only works if there's a priest to actually say something, like, after it happens. Like, and the priest is there, like, the Renfield priest is standing there, but he's not willing to say anything. He's, he's too scared to actually sort of, like, betray his master, effectively, in the scene. So... And he wants bit... Paul to say it, but because he's atheist, he can't. Yeah, yeah, atheist can't say it, yeah. He doesn't believe in any of it. Uh, so... This is the big arc thing for the movie is that towards the end, when he decides to not uh, do what Dracula's told him to do, and this is when Dracula ends up getting stabbed with the big gold cross, he does say the words. Um, although I was questioning, like, this is, a, I mean, I know it's a cross, right? And that does hurt a vampire, but it is made of gold. Yes. <laughs> this is not wood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the prop might be wood. I wouldn't call it a stake. Yeah. But- the, yeah. the prop might be wood and painted gold. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. That's that's possible. If I thought it might be cardboard the way it was wiggling around, <laughs> to be honest, but <laughs> which which, te- which is technically still wood. Yeah. To an extent. Yeah, uh, it it is kind of funny that like even though you know Paul is kind of like you know the dashing main hero character, um, he doesn't really have much of a journey. Like I guess you can say like you know he ends up getting faith by the end but it's not like a you know it doesn't feel like a huge big arc like versus like this priest character actually feels like he goes through stuff uh throughout the movie like well, the, you the, know, the priest stands <laughs> up against them and like ultimately it's him that kind of saves the day like yeah. yeah sure like paul struggles and fights dracula a little bit and dracula because dracula he goes home and he, he basically like he, he tells the priest to like or the maria to get rid of the cross that's on his door mm-hmm. and they they throw it over and it it lands in the ground, kind of, kind of like, like a sword and like Braveheart or something, where it sort of lands like <laughs> impaled in the ground. And that's obviously set up for later. It's Chekhov's cross because Dracula, <laughs> right. when he falls over the ledge, his castle ends up landing on it and gets impaled. So he's like sort of stumbling around with this floppy, that's supposed to be gold, but it's flopping around cross. And the priest says the words, there's some lightning strikes. And yeah, Dracula, you know, bleeds from the eyes and seemingly oh, dies cool. he's definitely coming back in the next one though so we'll see how that happens but yeah. he's, he's he's technically dead at the end uh and paul's got maria back and 
you know, th- this priest has, like, overcome his fear and was able to... So, you know, it's actually quite a good arc for him because at the start of the film, like, he's so crippled by fear even though he's never actually met dracula and he's like a shadow yeah. of what he's supposed to be because he's not he's not doing you know he's his calling is to be a priest is to say mass and give people comfort and so on and he can't do that he's too scared to do that and then he bec- he literally becomes dracula's bitch and at the end of the movie he breaks out of that control and stands up against him so he actually has the arc of the movie he's got the, yeah. the uplifting <laughs> story it's funny <laughs> What I'm saying is, is that it's doing a better job uh, of the what seems to be the plot of the upcoming Renfield movie. Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> based on that trailer, I'm going to assume this is a better movie. Yeah, if I, <laughs> I be, agree with that. By the time this reviews out, you you may have seen the you the audience may have seen the Renfield movie, but it looks bad. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we did a whole uh, <coughs> uh, bonus episode <laughs> talking about the trailer. We we did we did a, a bit of bonus content. Um, so one thing I will say about the ending is, um, I, you know, even though it does feel like, um, like everything is like a little convenient, like, oh yeah, you just, you know, happen to throw the cross and it, you know, just lands perfectly on the ground or, or whatever. Uh, I, I still think it's a cool idea him getting thrown over, uh, like the wall there and like getting impaled and stuff. Um, my only complaint about it is. Uh, it looks really cheesy, like when he's struggling oh, yeah. with Paul. Um, and also, like, uh, I mean, I think, like, Dracula, come on, like, he, he has to have, like, some superhuman strength. Like, I, I feel like a normal guy isn't able to just, you know, grapple like that easily. Oh, yeah, him. we're we're constantly told that he's, you know, he's, that he's this being of darkness and that he's, he's terrifying and all the rest of it. But then when he actually fights Paul, it's, it looks like a, like a fight on, like, a... <laughs> You know, like an episode of the old Star Trek where it's just them sort of <laughs> yeah. with their arms around each other, sort of struggling yeah. like that kind of thing. There's not there's not a lot going on. Uh, so if there's one thing that's definitely improved uh, overall from this time period of movie making is that fights themselves uh, tend to be a lot better and definitely can For be sure. a lot better. Yeah, because uh, you don't see this anymore, even in bad movies. Even bad fight scenes in movies don't look like this. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I mean, there's a charm to it, of course. You know, it's of its time period, it's of its era. Uh, you know, I, I, as far as far as the anything else in the movie goes, though, like it's mostly the the guy that Paul works for has got a couple of jokes here or there. He jokes about uh both paul and and xena being bad employees and he's just kind of like grumbling throughout the movie uh the the uh what's the phrase uh, maria's mother's character the sister-in-law the the mon- monsignor he he's she's uh you know like there she, she's just kind of the the nice mother character she's not really got a whole lot going on i mean i just watched this earlier today and i pretty much for, completely forgot she existed <laughs> yeah she doesn't she doesn't have a lot to do really uh yeah She's there to be concerned at various points and just kind of give someone for the Monsignor to bounce off of. Um, you know, you, you could probably just cut her out the movie and just have it that his niece lives with them and that's it. Yeah. You know? That would have made more sense. Yeah. Or, so. you know, use as another, uh, another body for, for old Drek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of the stand-in for Van Helsing in the sense that he's the, the older, yeah. wise one. Obviously, he doesn't necessarily... Because that, that's the that's the thing with the structure of the movie is that I would say that none of the characters who are going to ultimately be proactive in fighting Dracula know he's even around until like an hour in. Mm. You know, this is it's an eighty minute movie, and the Monsignor doesn't even know that Dracula is like in town and coming after him and alive until he catches him in the bedroom with Maria, which is over an hour in. It absolutely has to be. I, I guess what I, what I'm getting at by that is that there is kind of this pacing thing with the movie where there's a lot of just like Dracula or uh, his Renfield priests kind of sneaking around doing stuff and it's the romance stuff like in the forefront that's kind of like taking up the screen time. Oh, there was a really nice shot. See, um, uh, the first time, so, so, I'm just trying to think of how to explain this best. Um, so it's just before Paul comes back to the tavern after he's had the fight at the dinner with uh, uh, the Monsignor. Uh, the the Renfield priest, he arrives at the tavern. I actually really like the shot that introduces him there because uh, Zena's like, you know, all, all the students have left for the night and she's just kind of clearing tables so it's quiet. 
And there's just this moment where you see the Renfield priest sort of is like, he's just like sort of over at the window, sort of looking in. And it's just kind of creepy. You know, it's just a little subtle thing where there's not a music sting, I don't think. It's just like he's just standing there watching before he comes in. And we know that he's now like dangerous now. And he's, you know, there's, a, there's, a, a, there's an issue with that. So yeah. uh, I thought it was an effective little moment. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th- I think it's the biggest issue for me is like just. Yeah, a lot of the, uh, you know, middle stuff is just you know, a little slow and, um, you know, kind of drags on a bit for my taste. Not like it's a super long movie, like, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, reasonable 90 minutes. But, um, I mean, there are little bits and pieces like those kind of shots that, you know, once it does get back to the horror stuff, I actually do think that is handled, you know, uh, pretty well. And, yeah, you know, I like that stuff. But, yeah, yeah. some of the other stuff I, yeah, I can just <laughs> don't really need. It's it's just it's just a lack of momentum, I think. Uh, espe- yeah. Especially since we've already this is the fourth one in the series, so we don't necessarily have the same like excitement over the slow build to Dracula doing yeah. stuff. So you kind of want to get you know get get to it a bit quicker, so that we can do new things with like encountering Dracula. Uh, but it, it seems like these sequels have no interest in yeah. doing that. They want to just like slowly build to Dracula even being something that they know about. Uh, yeah. for as long as possible obviously it's different when you have Van Helsing around who just knows about him from the get go but uh, like everyone in this movie just thinks he's dead until like really late on so yeah. uh, you know it has, it has a it has a bit of a, a detrimental effect to the, the overall flow of the movie but um, like I say it's not great right I mean it's, it's only just okay really but it's it's comfort enough sort of you know comfort movie food effectively that sure. it's an easy enough watch. Uh, there's a few things to sort of enjoy in it. I, I do appreciate that the, uh, the the Renfield Priest guy actually has a pretty interesting arc, uh, and it's not it's not yeah. handled like it's not this great you know dramatic story <laughs> that he goes through or anything. But it, you know, it, it's it's kind of nice. It's kinda, it, it's it's definitely more interesting I think than any of the characters that were in the last two movies for sure. Yeah, uh, it almost makes me wonder if like if if that's how you you solve some of that. Uh, that middle lag is if like, you know, make the priest the main character and kind of focus mm. in, you know, on him more than, um, you know, like, uh, like Paul and Maria and everyone like, you know, they're fine, but you know, they're just very kind of tropey, like the hero and the heroine. Yeah. Know, yeah. Characters. There's, there's not really much to him. Like, like you said, like the priest is one that has the arc. He's like the doing the interesting stuff. If you make him the main character and we're focusing more on him, you know, that might make for a more interesting movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I will say, uh, the priest has like really unfortunate hair. Uh, <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah, got this thing yeah. where he's, he's got this sort uh, of the bald horseshoe thing, but his hair's <laughs> really grown out, so it's like covering his ears, so it looks really weird. You yeah. know, it, it, it looks like he's I don't know, like like some people can pull off the long horseshoe like hair. You know, I guess, like, you know, like, Hulk Hogan kind of gets away with it. But, <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, but this guy has, like, really shaggy gray hair, so it just, it looks really odd. I don't know. Uh, God, Hulk Hogan in a Dracula movie, what would that look like? <laughs> <laughs> you should have got to suck my blood, brother. <laughs> what, what are you going to do when the sunshine, garlic, and Hulkamania runs wild on you? <laughs> I am going to suck your blood. That doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> I'd watch it. Oh, well, I guess that's it. I mean, it's, honestly, it's not that in-depth a movie. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's got a couple of interesting little bits. You know, a couple of deaths, or not even the deaths, I'd say, but more the the bodies in the aftermath are a little bit more visual and uh, explicit than perhaps the past movies have been. And yeah, because like, you usually don't see like a lot of like actual killing and violence. It's more like yeah. kind of afterwards seeing the body and stuff. Yeah, because for example, when Zena's killed, like after she fails to bring Maria, or Maria gets away and he kills Zena, and because uh, he's like, "You've got me, you've got me, bite me," and he does, and he kills her. Uh, when he goes to kill her, uh, it, she just sort of streams, and the the screen kind of like quickly flashes red, and it cuts to the next scene. You know, you don't get even like the bite, which wouldn't even be that, you know, it wouldn't even be that graphic, really. You just see him, you know, bite her neck, but they don't yeah. even do that. You know, they, they cut away. So, in fact, you never, I don't think you ever see him actually bite into someone in this. Now I'm thinking about it. I don't think so. It's always off screen. Uh, it's interesting. 
Um, I wonder, like, do you think that the, the blood looking so fake was intentional because they'd get away with more of it if it looked obviously fake? Was that like a ratings, like, cheat? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure, but I mean, that's kind of like, you know, what, like, Hammer became known for, right? Like, mm. I... Like, I'm not a scholar on Hammer stuff, but even before, like, you know, I started watching these movies or, you know, I think a couple of Halloweens ago, I, I tried to prioritize watching some more Hammer stuff. But, like, yeah, even before that, like, I knew kind of, I knew them as, like, oh, yeah, they were, like, known for him, like, this very, like, bright, kind of garish looking blood, which, it, I don't know, I, I, I think it's cool. Like, I, I like the way it looks. It makes it stand out for sure. Uh, I'm just wondering if it was an intentional creative choice or if it was like they just didn't know how to make more realistic looking blood. That's true, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know. Because there are other movies that suffer from it. Like, you know, the original Dawn of the Dead. Like, I, I love that movie. It's one of the best horror movies ever made. But, you know, the blood in it looks, you know, pretty fake. <laughs> like, it was, again, it's a bit too bright, a little bit too, uh, just not like real blood. But, hey. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, rate the movie then. Uh, Tim, what are you given Dracula Has Risen from the Grave? Uh, I think I'll give it a, a solid six. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think there's enough, you know, good stuff in there that I, I'm glad I watched it. And, um, you know, uh, there'll be some stuff that'll probably, like, you know, stick out of my memory. But, yeah, it, it's not doing anything crazy or new or, or lighting the world on fire. It's, you know, pretty typical in a, in a lot of ways. But, um like we said before, you know, it's an easy watch, though. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I'm not, probably won't be in a rush to rewatch it again, but, um, yeah, at least, uh, you yeah, know, as far as the ones we've done, you know, <laughs> if, if I'm gonna, you know, not recommend, like, you know, watching everything, like, you know, back-to-back -back or whatever, like, if you want to watch this one and then, <laughs> or if you want to watch the first one and then skip to this one, um, at least for the moment, it's, or from what I remember from the last two, <laughs> you know, I, this one seemed much more an enjoyable experience, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's still not the best or anything. Yeah, uh, love the enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think I'll just about scrape to a six as well. I might have been lower, but I think the the priest having kind of an interesting arc is, you know, just put tips it over the edge into six out of ten territory. Uh, so, yeah, uh, not bad. I thought you were going to say the, the, the priest having interesting hair. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'd say interesting. <laughs> Noticeable. <laughs> Unfortunate here, perhaps, but not interesting. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, uh, it is kind of interesting going through one of these Hammer franchises, and obviously when we're done with Dracula, we'll probably make a start on the Frankenstein movies or something, but... Uh, I've actually seen uh, a decent number of the Frankenstein ones, and I actually have a... Actually, a... a Somewhat of a fondness for those. I've only seen the first one. Uh, I do remember liking it, but uh, yeah. I guess I assumed that the sequels would probably suffer the same way that these Dracula ones have mostly suffered. But uh. <clears throat> I mean, I, I haven't seen like a ton. Like I'm, I might have seen like three or four, and I remember at, at least like a, a decent amount of them being pretty good. I think there's one I didn't like, but then the others I was all like, "Yeah, hey, keep it going. I like this." <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I, I I look forward to it. I think. Once we're done with all nine Dracula Hammer movies, we'll go back and maybe start chipping away through the Frankenstein ones. Mm. But, uh, yeah. So, but yeah. Until until next time. This has been Dracula has Risen from the Grave. You can let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments if you've seen it. Uh, you can like, subscribe, and ding the bell for notifications. Of course, if you want to support all the content, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV and support everything. Uh, at the $3 tier, you get access to the back catalogue of bonus episodes where we review sort of B-movies and sort of wackier stuff. Uh, th those are typically once per month, but they're on hold whilst Tim's uh, on paternity leave. But uh, there's a nice back catalogue of about 40 episodes to check out. Uh, plus the $5 tier, you get access to the back catalogue of even more streams. Uh, and again, that'll return when Tim's back. But uh, that's uh, the show where we just talk about whatever horror movies we've been watching that month. Uh, and Tim usually hits me with a, a little horror quiz at the start. Uh, sometimes we even talk a little bit a little bit of news stuff so uh, go and have a have a look see all that stuff but of course uh, even with uh, the streams bonuses on hiatus there is bonuses for the other shows uh, that are on male fuzz movies such as uh, the ace and collector's cut so uh, plenty to get a hold of if you want to uh, get some bonuses and support the show uh, but of course you can support us uh, for free and all the other ways we mentioned uh, and of course uh, super thanks and super 
whatever else YouTube offers these days. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of, uh, but you can do any and all of these things. All of them are appreciated. Uh, and you can get us on Twitter, at Screams Midnight. Uh, so that is the show that has been Dracula has risen from the grave. Um, who knows when we'll get to the fifth one. Uh, we'll, we'll try and, well, the good thing is, is that unlike the last year where we still had to work, cause we definitely prioritize getting through the Leprechaun and Hellraiser movies, but now that they're done, mm. you know, whenever we want to do a franchise sequel again, this is more likely to be slotted in <laughs> than it was before. Uh, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but, uh, that is the show. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies and we will see you next time.